G'day, I'm Reggae Ellis and this is the Chill Factor Podcast. Now, Chill Factor's always been about good yarns. Stories about the mountains, stories about mountain people. And now, you don't have to wait to be in the mountains. Join me for what I hope will be some entertaining and inspiring conversations with Aussies who embrace the spirit of free skiing. So let's kick off this first podcast with a chat to an Olympian, free skier, ex-game medalist and Ginnabine local, Russ Henshaw. I caught up with Russ recently to talk about his career, retirement and the future. Let's drop in. Well, Russ Henshaw, um, welcome to Chill Factor. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, a lot to talk about, I suppose, because you've just, well, what, nine months into your official retirement from competitive skiing after... A long time doing so. How's it been, and how was your first summer without going overseas? Um, there was definitely a couple of weeks there where I wish I was overseas. It was blistering hot, and I was struggling, like really yeah. struggling with the heat. Um, but other than that, it was awesome. Summer rules. Like yeah. I had a great time. I haven't had a summer in twelve years, and yeah, it was awesome. Well, it's funny. I was thinking before I came down. I was reading an old interview I did with you in our two thousand and seven issue of Chill Factor. You're still at school. Um, you know, doing your HSC, I think it was April, and you were sort of talking then about finishing school and then, you know, starting a full-time professional skiing career. And like you said, here 12 years later, you had an incredible skiing career, probably more than what you thought you were going to do as that 17-year-old. Yeah, definitely way more than what I ever dreamt was possible. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I think I was just pretty fortunate. I really worked hard at what I wanted to do and knew in my head where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do, but I guess I, it also comes down to I was in the right place at the right time. I had really good support network. Like, couldn't have done it without all my mates, family, yeah. friends, yeah. coaches, everyone. Like. Well, you said in this interview, like, you were 14, and your dad had said if he got some good results, he'd back you to go overseas, and then he sent you over with Nick Draxel. Now, going back, Nick had been your race coach yeah. in Threadbo Ski Race Club. Yeah. And then he became your, like, he's an amazing skier and obviously a good coach. Yeah. Um, then he was your free ski coach. So how important was it having that relationship from when you were, like, under 10 to how long were you with him for, to into your late oh, teens, 20s? 18, maybe? Wow, it's a long, so it's a 10-year yeah. relationship. No, it was awesome having him. It was like, you obviously want to have someone that you trust yeah. when you're trying some of these tricks and... Not even the big tricks. When you're young, learning a, a a cork five or a cork seven can be the most daunting thing in the world to you. Yeah. And just having someone that you trust that helps push you through the boundaries, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So is awesome. Yeah, and I suppose with that, you know, like we're going back that way, um, that far. You're originally from Sydney, and you moved down here with your family, pursue your, your skiing career, and it obviously paid off. But do you ever think what it might have been if you'd stayed up in Sydney? Probably what I'm doing right now, yeah, except as, I'd be qualified. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and let's clarify that, because you just come back from a building site. You're doing yeah. your carpentry apprenticeship yep. with, um, with Matty Deck, yeah, the local guy here in Jindabyne. Um, yeah, how's that been? Like, that's a big transition from pro skier to working hard. Yeah, it's been <laughs> unreal. Yeah. Um, Complete 180 from what I'd done previously. I don't think I'd ever picked up a power tool other than maybe a drill to put a set of bindings on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, big learning curve, but I've been 
loving every step. Yeah. I guess the big thing is I like being challenged. Yeah. And I'm, that's why I'm, I guess, frothing on this job because there's so much to take in, so much to learn. Made heaps of mistakes, but... Yeah, Matt's pretty tolerant sort of guy, so yeah. that's good. Well, it's a big deal, I suppose, with him taking on. How old are you? Are you 30 yet? No. no. So you're in your um, late 20, 29 this year. 29 this year. So so he's taken on a mature age apprentice, yes. which is, is kind of cool. But um, with that, you know, like, okay, the dedication you needed to go to that the level you reached... I mean, is that one of the things that a pro career as a skier teaches you? Because people always go, there's not much money in it. You know, why would you bother doing that? You know, like if people say... Yeah, but those people are a bit blinded by the fact that they think that I'm doing it for money. Yeah. I never really did it for money. Yeah. I did it because I love skiing and I love pushing myself. Mm. There was no... It wasn't like I was like, well, if I get to the X Games this year and I do this well, then I'm going to have this much in my contract. Like, that never crossed my mind it was more so right if I get to X Games I've got to learn this trick this trick and this trick because I want to win yeah never won it but well you can't what'd you get second, second what yeah. year was that um was that slope or big air 2012 maybe yeah um slope slope so a lot tw- of fourths yeah in 2012 <laughs> so you won the Jew Tour too didn't you yep yeah so you had it was 2012 oh there's a trophy there you go Due tour was 2012, so X Games must have been 2011. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so 2011, that's four years after you left school, you know. So going back to that interview we did, which is always interesting to reflect, you had these ambitions. You just, you know, got second in the US Open, I think won the European Open, yeah. slope style, and you got second in the Red Bull Play Streets. And in that interview you're talking about Hopefully those results would lead to an X Games invite, and obviously, obviously they did. And at that stage, you know, was the X Games a pinnacle for you as an athlete? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. X Games was always the pinnacle. Yeah, like there was no, there was, well, there was other big events, but X Games was like that was our Olympics when yeah. I was growing up. That's what everyone mm. worshipped. You know what I mean? Yeah, so you, you reach those goals pretty quickly. So going back on that, when you did leave um, school, was it pretty well full-on winter? I mean, you'd already been doing winters and doing school by long-distance ed or whatever it was. So yeah. can you, did you start doing the full Northern Hem- Hemisphere winters when you were about 14, 15? Probably. F- no, I think I was like 15 or six, maybe 16 even when I did my first full winter. Yeah. Um, I think the first time I went overseas was only to New Zealand when I was 15. Right. And that was for the NZ Open. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of how the, I guess, the snowball happened where I ended up being able to go overseas because I did well in the event there. Yeah. And then because I did well there, I like, went over to Europe and I really, I kind of wanted to prove myself. Yeah, right. So you said, yeah, okay, I'm done well here in Australia, yeah. New Zealand. What, is, what am I like over there? Because it was... Um, Europe, the, the place to do it then, or was it the US? Which one did, why'd you choose Europe over North America? Um, for two reasons. One was the Draxels. Um, I was lucky enough to live with them oh, in right. Europe. Yeah. Um, they had a place there. Mm-hmm. Um, the second reason was, this, well, when I did it, there was a hell of a lot more events there right. in the States. The States, they had the big events. But there was more constant. There was more, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then if you think about it too, 
a lot of the brands are from Europe. Yeah. So if you start making a name for yourself in Europe and you're doing well consistently in these smaller events, yeah, then your name starts getting thrown around and then I feel like it's easier to pick up sponsors in Europe than the States. Yeah, well, you've had you've vocal signed you on the international team. What? Yeah, when I was well, 15, 15, 16, 16. whatever it was, yeah. And you've ridden for them, skied with them your whole career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, yeah, that's a good long... But it's a good brand to be associated with, too. Yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better brand. No. Nah, Pick get... me up. And do you remember, like, yeah, the first time you sort of... Guys who were your idols and you really looked up to when they became peers? Can you remember, like, going to events and going, oh, I'm hanging out with blah, blah? Um, for a kid from Ginderbine, that must be pretty different. The first time that I was ever hanging out with them was at the NZ Open when I was 15. Because I made finals and they were all in the start gate and stuff. And yeah. Hanging out with the men. Yeah. But it wasn't until a few years later where I started, like, I was friends with them. Yeah, who in particular do you remember thinking, oh, this is pretty cool? At the NZ Open, that first trip overseas, it was like, Ewan Olsen was there, Jakob Wester was there, yeah. Sammy Carlson was there, like, I can't even remember who yeah. else was there, but like, they were all there. Yeah. And I think they were all doing it just for fun. Yeah. But it was like, my mind was blown being there. You yeah, know? let alone um, competing and sort yeah. of hanging out with these dudes. And, you know, with, with that, okay, then the progression of your career, um, you know, the X Games, long overseas, you know, long time in Northern Hemisphere, summers, our winter, sorry. Um, and then, you know, film parts, and then your progression. Sort of like you're a world leader in progressing the sport for a long time, you know. Um, Thank you. Well, you were. Yeah, what was that trick you did one day and Bobby Brown did the next or vice versa? <laughs> triple cork. The triple cork. I mean, that was a big deal. And then, of course, then you had the, the matchstick segments, you know, what, the yeah. three or four movie years in a row with matchstick? Yeah, three or, yeah, three or four or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, even I was excited by that going on, <laughs> seeing your name. Filming at the was surreal. Yeah. That was something that I'd always, like, as I said, back to you, uh, to you back in the day when I was like finishing my HSC, I want to try and film, whatever. Yeah. Never thought it would happen. It was yeah. just something that I would have loved to have done. Yeah, and with that, during that period, you know, you start, it's when you started having a few injuries, you know, like you, your knees have been giving you grief yeah. forever. <laughs> I mean, remember, like, your first injury was it a kneecap you did in New Zealand or something when you were pretty yeah. young, 16 that was or 17? Right after the. Pretty sure that was right after. Oh no, it was a year after the NZ Open yeah. that I went to that I was talking about just before. But yeah, seventeen I think I was. Mm-hmm. And I shouted that into. They said thirty plus pieces. Right. They that, counted thirty and then stopped on a down rail or something, right? Yeah, I was trying to do a switch tails over two seventy and my tail caught mm. and that sent me forward onto my left knee. Yeah, right. Smash. I was also, it was first thing in the morning, I'd learnt that trick the day before. Right. Tried it the morning I got up there and it was on a pretty big rail. Yeah. I hadn't done it on that rail, but I was mm-hmm. young, cocky, confident. Yeah. I can do this. Nothing hurts, I haven't been hurt. Yeah, right. And then, yeah, did that and that was pretty painful. That was the worst. Was it? Yeah. I can imagine. No, and then you kept your kneecap though, didn't you? You didn't have to get a fake one. No, I still got it. Um, mm. I didn't do any ligament damage or any tendon damage or anything. So the kneecap was shattered. Yeah. But it was still held semi in position. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I saw, first of all, I saw doctors in New Zealand and they said it had one fracture and I was fine. Just have to rest. Yeah. Flew home and I was in agony. Flew home, saw the doctors here. They did MRIs, all the, everything you need to do. And they're like, oh, it's not, it's in more than just one crack. And yeah, told me right. how buggered it was. And they said, um, we'll put it in a, like I was in a um, splint kind of thing. Yeah. We'll put it in, in this and we'll leave it for, uh, I think it was three months. And if it doesn't heal, then we have to have, I had to have surgery and they put a rubber one in. But if oh, it okay. did heal, then, sorry. You'll be all right. Um, but yeah, the kneecap, it has healed, but I've got no cartilage on the back of it. Right, okay. That's so, from that. Yeah. Yeah. So aches a lot yeah and then it's got a pretty serious crunch to it when I bend my knees mm-hmm. but that's been like that since I was 15 so I, yeah it's like I won't live with it yeah exactly speak around in buddy um like the yeah knee pads for a while yeah right okay and then with that I mean two Olympics right so the first mm-hmm. was Sochi that was the first slap so I wasn't there you went into that with a knee injury two yeah so both these sort of yeah, I, um, I mean, that must have been, you know, because you'd been, that was a big year for you too, you know, like you would have been going into that as one of the favourites and then you've got two dud, you know, after winning the, you know, X Games and Dew Tour and stuff and then you, can you, yeah. can you remember how you felt when, with those injuries, when they happened? Um, lucky for me, I had Laura with me. Yeah. And she kept me in the best spirits you could think. Um, I think if she wasn't there, it would have been pretty down. Yeah. But yeah, that sucked. Yeah. Bit. That was like pretty shitty. Yeah. That's the only way to describe it. So with that, I mean, okay, Laura, for those listening, your long-term girlfriend began up what since you were at school almost, haven't you? Yeah, we've been together since we were sixteen. Long-term girlfriend now, your yeah. wife. <laughs> wife now. Yeah. yeah, wife now. But, um, yeah, with that, so she's like having her there to support you. But um, with those injuries leading into it, did, did, was there any specific crash that caused it or was it, lo- you know, just long-term? No, no, that, they were um, specific crashes. My In that season leading into it? No. The previous one? So my left knee, no, my right knee, I tore my ACL a year out from the Olympics or just over a year out. Um, can't remember how I did that one. Yeah. Um, but tore it a year out and decided not to have surgery. Yeah. Because the uh, qualifying period for the Olympics was just about to start. Right, okay. And I felt like I was skiing pretty well. I knew this might hold me back a bit, but I wanted to try rather than have surgery and miss out. And then just, you knew you just wouldn't have gone, right? Not that I wouldn't have gone, but it would have been really, really hard to go. Yeah, right. I thought. Yeah. Because the time frame to get back on snow. You would have been Like, you could get back on snow, compete, and, like, theoretically you could do it. But would you have been at that level? Yeah. Because you only had, what, nine months totally, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was... That's why I decided to go without it. Yeah. Anyway, I went pretty much a full year without it. Qualified, made the Olympic team. Yeah. It's all honky-dory. I was like, yeah, sweet, this yeah. will be fine. Like, no ACL, it's not a worry. Then the week before the Olympics was X That's Games, right, it was right before it, yeah. And 
I knuckled the first jump on a right 12 mm. and blew my left knee, but didn't know. Just kind of hurt for 30 seconds, which is a dead giveaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hurt for 30 seconds and then I felt pretty good, but I don't, I've never had the, um, a lot of people have like a um, instability feeling. Mm. Never really had that right. on any. So you tennis. went into those Olympics thinking your left knee was all right. Until I got there. Right. Then I saw a doctor there and he looked at it. He didn't break it to me the best he could have. He just said your knee's yeah. rooted. But then I got like some sketchy Russian knee brace yeah. training. And then I don't know who it was. I, didn't, I never got told this, but one of the mogul parents that were coming over to watch yeah. um, their kid compete brought a knee brace from Australia the same one that I was using on my right knee. Right, okay. The identical one for my left knee. Oh, okay. And yeah, that was a that was an ordeal. I I, I didn't land a run in training mm. there until the day of competition, and it was. I'm pretty sure the first run I landed was my first run. Yeah. Like competition run. Yeah. Or close to landing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wouldn't. Yeah. And so you, I mean, and with that, you're never, you know. You're never going to be able to perform at your peak, you know, when you're at the peak of your career, like 12 months earlier. It's funny, though, because you play all these mental games. With yeah, yourself, I know. Like you're, you're coming into it and it's like, it's fine, it's fine, I'll be fine. Like, mm. stop stressing about it, you can ski. Yeah. But subconsciously, your body is doing little things where you, you it stops you being able to perform where you normally would be comfortable. Yeah. You're not as fluid, you're not you're a bit more rigid, you're like Yeah. And that messes you up. But yeah, I remember sitting in the hotel room just playing mind games with myself. And did you dwell on it afterwards? Was it you know, when you finished, did you was it devastating or just went, oh no well, it's one of those things. No, I didn't dwell on it. Um I think I would have if I had it just thrown in the tower. Yeah, right. Like, oh, my knees. Like, I feel like a lot of people, not Australians, like yeah. across the board, like as soon as they're, they're injured or whatever, it's an excuse to, to back down. Right. And I never wanted to do that. Like, even, even at the Olympics, the whole double knee thing, somebody told the media and so I was getting questions about it, but I didn't even tell them in interviews because I right. didn't want to deal with that yeah okay didn't like that you didn't want all the line of questioning all the interviews about oh, I didn't about... want to have one foot in one foot out right you know what I mean I didn't want to have one foot in like I'm here to compete and one foot out like a backup like if I that don't if I... do well it's because of my knees yeah. So, yeah oh sorry guys I didn't do well because yeah I don't have ACLs which is a legitimate excuse I guess but you didn't want to play that card no yeah at all yeah, well, it's totally, yeah. And after that, you just thought, okay, because you're still pretty young then, you know, so yeah. you said, all right, aim at the next Olympics. But with the Olympics, we said earlier how the pinnacle, the X Games, and I think in many ways it probably still is, but how determined were you to make the second Olympics and how, where do you think it stands in the realm of, you know, free skiing? Um, I wasn't determined at all after the first Olympics to right. make the second. Mm-hmm. It was too far out to... To even uh, worry about it because four about years it. away. No. Um, and I always said to myself I'd compete for as long as I felt competitive. Yeah. And I felt 
competitive coming into the qualifying year for for um, Pyeongchang. So yeah. thought, why not give it another go? Yeah, see how I go here. Um, and yeah, I think the whole X Games Olympic argument, well, not argument, yeah, but, but just like perception, really, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a tough one mm. because. X Games invites the top, say, 30... In the world. Whatever it is yeah. in the world. But then the Olympics gives every country an opportunity... To, to have an athlete... Yeah, have athletes there and somewhere yeah. like... But like, then you might find the next guy that's going to win the X Games who would never have gotten that shot yeah. in the first place. And the guy missing out on the team for the US or Sweden or whoever, yeah. whatever country, he could be number six in the world. Yeah. But he doesn't get a start. Yeah. 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 No, it's just, they're, di- they're two different beasts. Well, it's going to be, the, yeah. It's like... Um, you can compare them, but you can't. Yeah, because it's not really that relevant. I suppose it's just, but it must be, you must be pretty stoked. Well, I presume, you know, when you're, you're there, standing up there in Sochi going, wow, I'm representing Australia. Like, in the Olympic Games. It was all surreal. Yeah. It was so... It's weird, because, I, I, like, since I've stopped skiing and you step back... It, it, it almost felt like all one big season, if that makes sense. Yeah. Just going from event to event. Every yeah, and that was another event because you had events, you'd have events after it normally too, yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, that's the, one of the keys I feel to doing well is doing a lot of events so that you're in that same um, scenario yeah. at, the, at the start gate. Whereas if you're doing no, no events and then you show up and yeah, there's all this, I guess, pressure... Yeah, I suppose, yeah, I see, yeah, I can sort of see as an athlete, you're in tune. Sounds really bad, but when I was standing in Sochi, other than dealing with the knee thing, it felt like another event. Yeah, right. Because I'd been doing so many events yeah. back to back to back to back, and it just felt normal to be in the start game. Like, all right, Russ, you ready? Go. Yeah. Okay, and with that, you know, like it's been, like you said, like they were long seasons, like for 12 years, and going on, and so. Was the Australian season like we're over the Olympics? We'll deal with that stuff now. Australian was the Australian season? Was that like fun. a was it a down? It was a fun downtime for you. It was just fun. Yeah, because there was no competitions here really. I did yeah. a couple. One hit wonder. Yeah. yeah, I did a couple of events, <laughs> and everyone when I was home was like, "Why aren't you doing the event this weekend?" It's like what the, I just the, whatever the PlayStation or Perisher or something. I just want to ski. Yeah. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't they, they don't see. All they see is the highlight video or yeah. my Instagram or whoever's Instagram is like, oh, mm-hmm. Russell's in France skiing or Russell's in yeah. whatever skiing. There was one season where I did all of my flights, not like this is including connections. I did 70 flights and no way. in a season. And that's a lot of check-ins. Yeah, it was a lot. That's and it was back and forth between Europe. I think I was back and forth between Europe and the States six times, mm. something like that, and then flicking around through there. And everyone sees like, oh, he's, he's skiing in France. Must be awesome. What a life. And it's like I was in France for like 80 hours, did the event, went back to the airport and flew back to the States to make it in time to the next event. Yeah. I was in jet lag for like three months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah. That kind of shows... When I'm in Australia, the Australian season, so I get to skate. Yeah. This is awesome. Come home, sleep in your own bed, drive up to Perisher when you feel like it, or Threadbell yep. when you feel like it, and away you go. Yep. And, but with that, you had some interesting projects on yeah. when you were here, you know, like the 
backyards one with Red Bull and then of course is when you did the was it the triple onto the rail double yeah double onto the rail that was gnarly and I mean um it was terrible. <laughs> I bet it was. And, like, okay, Charles built that, right? Yep. Charles Beckinsale, master Australian slope uh, park jump builder, who's also your brother-in-law. Yeah, I've been very fortunate there. Does that, like, is it important having someone, did you, like, having Charles build the jump, does that, and working with Charles, thinking about it, how important was that? Super important. Um, I thought of the trick... Might have been like five years prior. Yeah, four years five prior. years to psych up for it. Well, no, it was more so to get someone to build it properly. Yeah. Because we, and this was on a shoot with Matchstick, and Matchstick wasn't affiliated with Charles. I couldn't just be like, hey, can you bring Charles in? He's the yeah. best. Can he come and build this? Um, so I had a guy try and build it in wherever we were filming, and mm-hmm. it was just like, no. I'm not doing this. Right. And like, I, like, there's no way, it just doesn't work. And so I told Charles about my idea and we sat down, we planned it out, we figured out what we wanted and I have 100% faith in Charles. Like, mm. he's built the best jumps that I've ever hit. He's... Didn't he build the one you did the triple? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He built one in Whistler where I did um, triple 14 and switched triple 12. Yeah. That's still, to this day, the best jump that I think I've ever hit. Yeah. Like, unreal. It's pretty amazing, you know, like... Um... I suppose you, you did you know Charles? I mean, okay, he's yeah married to no, Amy, Laura's, yeah. Amy Laura's sister. Did you know Charles before you guys were dating the sisters or kind of? Kind of, yeah, but not because he was a Threadbow Park guy, yeah, right? Yeah, he was a Threadbow Park guy, and I was hanging around up there, and like I knew who he was, but he was heaps older than me. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's one of those scary snowboarders. Yeah, scary <laughs> snowboarder. But yeah, I didn't really start hanging out with him or know him properly until. I was dating Laura, who was dating Amy, and yeah. Yeah, we ended up spending heaps of time together. I mean, if you if you go and look at some of the jumps that Charles had built for shoots that I've been on, mm. they're the perfect jumps. Yeah. That's like, that's it. Yeah. I don't like the, the flat takeoff. Because the other thing is, snowboarders can pop a lot yeah. better than skiers too, yeah. like with the board or whatever. I don't know how to build it. I don't do it. But... <laughs> I don't know. If you go and look at those jumps, they're perfect. Yeah. So with that, it gave you the confidence, though, to do, like, that jump at Perisher, which, you know, laying the rail, that was the first time. It's funny, that, that um, shoot, I've never had I've never had this in my whole career, but that was the one trick that Laura was scared. Watching? Yeah. Well, I can Not tell even you to watch, just, just I told her in my head, like, I had it in my head, I told her what I was thinking I wanted to do, and she's like... She's, she said, please don't do it. Oh, really? I don't want you to do it. Were you thinking about that, please don't do it, when you were dropping in? No. No. Had music. <laughs> yeah, right. But no, you just cleared your head so you weren't worried about... It's hard to explain, too, because I, like... I, like, I'd done that trick a million times. Mm. Like, I knew I could do that trick. Not the, to the rail, but yeah. dump 10, pretty much. I'd yeah. done it a million times. It's when you start thinking about... There's a rail in the landing. Yeah. Then your brain, your brain starts playing tricks on you, and then that's when you stuff up. Yeah. If you go into it with absolute confidence. I mean, yeah, okay, so with, with that, the Australian season, cruising around and just having a good time, and I suppose it also gave your body time to recover as well because you could take some time off. You didn't have to go up. 
training still, every day. I didn't train, but I still up there a lot. Yeah, but that's just because you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, which is... So my body, it got a rest, but it didn't really get as enough rest. Do you ever think you should have just gone bang, sat out for 12 months and not skied? No. No? Were you, ever, advi- were you ever advised to do that? No. By doctors, no? No. So they never said... Okay. You need to take 12 months off, no? <clears throat> oh, that's cool. They've had, obviously, when I had my knee surgery, it was like six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a certain yeah recovery time yeah. and things like that. But right. no, they never... Like, and I never wanted to either. Like, mm. It's too no. fun. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> and what about now? Okay, so you know, now you're um, working full-time as a carpenter. We're going to get our first snowfall in Australia this weekend. Yeah. Season starts in a month, but you're going to be working... In July. Yeah, no, I'm excited and and I guess kind of jealous. Yeah. Like, but I, it's going to make the days that I go skiing now that much better. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I know my body is beat up. Yeah. So it's probably good that I'm not skiing every day. Every day like yeah. I used to. So. Yeah. Is um, Matt, is your boss cool? Like, okay, powder day. Yeah, I couldn't have slipped into a better crew. (laughs) Yeah. It's literally couldn't have been better. Yeah. Really lucky. You know, I was thinking, you know, like looking back on your career, um, you made a lot of good friends, you know. Obviously, uh, a lot of people flew out for for your wedding and stuff. Is that like one of the satisfying things, like all these personal relationships you've got with these nice people around the world? Bittersweet because you know you're no, not going to. I don't see him as much anymore. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I suppose you would have been every week. You were every week out I was with hanging out with him, and now I don't see him as much, which <clears> kind of sucks. But yeah. Um, Laura and I are planning a trip to where is it? Park City in yeah. October for yeah. Tom and Steph's wedding. Yeah. So we'll get to catch up with everyone and see everyone. But oh, Tom Wallace's wedding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Bobby Brown and all that. It's it's funny because you think. Like, my son Joey would be going, like, he can't believe it. We were in Aspen once and um, Bobby Brown and Gus Kenworthy sat yeah. at the table next to us. Was he and, freaking and out? And Hilly was with us. <laughs> yeah. And Hilly's gone, just talk to him. And Joey was peaking, you know. Um, and then, you know, like, do you often think, like, all the kids around Ginderbine, you know, you talk about your heroes before, your hero to them. It's like when the mystery trampoline was built. Like yeah. you had that trampoline, Olympic tramp put in somewhere in Ginderbine, and Joey and all his mates say you trying to, go, to figure out yeah, where oh, it's here, it's there, you know. Like you often think, wow, I'm now that guy that I, you know. No, that no. never really crossed. I never, I never. Oh, I shouldn't say I never. I knew I was a role, a role model. Yeah. And I try and do the best I could to be positive, be. Obviously, sometimes you have a shitty day on the hill and a kid comes up to you and it's like... Yeah. I just ate... I've got snow down my pants. <laughs> you know I don't want to sign this autograph. <laughs> but you always try and do your best because they could be the next mm. big thing and you want to... You, even if they're not the big thing, you just want to stoke kids out. Yeah. You want to, like, this is fun what I'm doing. I want you to do this. And, like, okay, with that, now, this next stage of your life, so pro... Um, professional skiing's behind you. So what, what's your plan now? Like, and last year, well, actually, go back. Last winter, when you'd made that decision, you were still skiing a fair bit, and then your, your, um, your new career as a carpenter started. Yeah. Was there a time when you thought, wow, it's done, this is pretty weird? 
No, um, because it was a bit of a transition. Yeah. Where Matty was um, cool enough to let me sign on, but I also he knew I had commitments with yeah. Vocal, Red Bull, whatever, throughout last winter. Um, so it was kind of wasn't like it was just like hit a brick wall, start something else, kind of transitioned out. Yeah. Um, and I, I know I had a career and I know I had, but I, I don't consider it done because I'm still a skier. Yeah. Like that, I'm not <clears> going to stop skiing. It's not like skiing's done. No, no. It's not like a footy player where you stop, you retire, bang, yeah, you don't play footy anymore. I'm still going to be up there skiing throughout winter. Yeah. It's just I get to have a summer in between. Yeah. And you, yeah, and you, your income's not from going skiing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of sweet too because you don't have the pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it must have been good to make a career for 12 years. I mean, you know, like, yeah. I, mean, I know it's hard work and all the travelling stuff, but it's still pretty cool to be able to spend your 20s. Yeah, it's crazy, though, too. Doing what this you love. is something I was saying to Laura the other day. It never felt like a job. Right. It was like, obviously, I got paid to do it, but I wasn't, as I said at the beginning, I wasn't doing it for money. No. I just really like skiing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the awesome thing, it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I could afford to. Spend the northern hemisphere away. Yeah, skiing. yeah. And then it got to a point where I was like following all of these events that I'd grown up watching, and I was like, "Well, you know cool. what? From Australian snow athletes' point of view, like you're probably the only skier to make a career. You know, to be able to earn you know, through sponsorship to mm-hmm. earn money. Um, then you see like Tora, Scotty James." Probably in snowboarding, but other than that, you know, your competitive, you know, your mogul skiers, aerialists and stuff, it's all through Ski and Snowboard Australia. And that's only because you're a free skier, you know. If, you, if you're a racer, really the same, I've raced if you're the same international level, you'd make money. But it's pretty fortunate that you're at that, having that position because it we is rare. We were fortunate and like, with, I guess, snowboarding and skiing, we were fortunate that we had an industry before... It was IOC. Yeah. A lot of the, uh, like, it's, it's, I feel like it's going to change too mm. now that there's, now <clears throat> that it's like Olympic teams and stuff. Right. Because I feel like as soon as spon- a lot of sponsors um, will see that you're getting funding through the government or through your team, the team's paying for yeah whatever, 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 which is sweet. Yeah. Gives a lot of um, kids the opportunity to be able to travel the world, compete. But the sponsors used to have to do that because otherwise their athletes wouldn't get to the events. Yeah. But now they're seeing the athletes get to the events. And a lot of the key events are FIS events now anyway. They're not. Yeah, it's um, not like it's... Um, yeah, it's not like the, the pinnacle events are the due to... Well... They still are. Still are. But, I mean, there's still... But even due to it, it's like... A, that's, a, gets a, a, his to points, qualify for yeah. the Olympics for the US right. team. Yeah. Okay, with this now, reflecting back, like, we are talking before how kids now and with the Olympics and stuff, I mean, if you were advised... Yeah, if you're talking to... I know you do pathways coaching mm-hmm. for Ski and Snowboard Australia. You've got all these super keen grommets. Um... What do you think their what the, the future potential is in skiing for kids that you know, and with those aspirations? The sky's the limit. Yeah, like you can't. Like the sky's the limit. You can't um, tell a kid where they can go or can't go. 
they need to make that decision. Mm. And one thing that I've always lived by is hard work always trumps talent. Yeah. And if you work hard and have fun doing it, you've got yeah. to enjoy doing it. You can't just... Yeah. Things will pay off. You might not... The other thing is too, you might work your butt off to try and get somewhere but never make it. But if you're having fun along the way, it doesn't really matter. You've yeah. got a good time doing it. Yeah. You know and, I mean? and if you're working hard, that's yeah. something you take with you in the rest of your life. Well, anyway. that's a good skill set for the rest of life yeah. too. There's got to be a few, quite a few skills you picked up just from resilience and deal, you know, travel. Yeah, I'd say resilience, um, sticking to what you start. Don't yeah. just, like, give up halfway. And as I said before, hard work. Yeah. Like, I feel like I spent... This is the other thing. Everyone thought that it was just a cruisy, cushiony, like, yeah, an easy life and so I worked well, it does really look hard like, yeah and, but I also worked this is going back to social media really hard to make it look like that too because that's appealing yeah you want to look like it's not a job yeah, yeah. But you, you said it wasn't I mean? a job but it wasn't a job the last few years felt like it when I was doing all these yeah Instagram posts and stuff it started to feel like it but before mm. that it was it wasn't a job. Yeah. Well, say in 10 years when you're reflecting back on your career when you've you got your three kids running around here screaming <laughs> and stuff, and we go, God, I wish I was, wish I was just jumping on an aeroplane going... Going away. Going away. But, I mean, when you do look back, what what do you think will stand out? Like, what memories... Like, what are the high points and what are the great things about your career as a pro skier? This is going to sound really weird, but I reckon the highlight was having Laura there with me the whole time. Yeah. Because they're not just stories that I bring home. She got to experience... She got to experience everything I got to experience. That's interesting. Far standing at the top of the event. She experienced the highs. She yeah. experienced the lows. And it's something that I could... Like, I shared everything with her. And that's the strongest memory. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, that's, that is interesting. And with that, I mean, you're in a position... I, sp- I mean, there would have been times where... You're going, yeah, should we be doing this, like, yeah. money-wise? But why not? Yeah, the way I looked at it was you just put in real life on hold. I knew eventually I'd be working a normal job. Yeah. But if I can make it happen for now, yeah. why not? Why not? Like, yeah. And even, like, I got to travel to work. Yeah, and having Laura there was part of success yeah. in a big way. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Yeah. Well, 100%. I couldn't have done it. Without her. Yeah. And uh, just before we wrap up, what led you into carpentry? It's always something I kind of had in the back of my mind yeah. when I was at school. Yeah. And I didn't want to... Well, I wanted to do that 100% yeah. when I'm finished. Oh, so it was always the thought, okay... It was always like, this if skiing is, doesn't work out, this is something I'll do. I'd like to become build, getting the building. Yeah. Um, the other thing was... I didn't want to... I could have taken, say, a job coaching or whatever it was. Yeah. But then I'm doing the same thing and I'm away from home. I want to be at home. Yeah. I want to... I obviously want to give back as well. But Mm. I want to be at home. I want to have kids one day. Yeah. I want to be around as they're growing up. I don't want to be travelling. Yeah, off for three months coaching some kid. Yeah, missing out on stuff. I just want to be here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Downtown Ginevine. And this sounds, this, well, I guess this goes to the same. The grass is always greener on the other side, but I've never experienced real life, if you want to call it that. Yeah. I've never had a job other than skiing. Yeah. So 
it's what I wanted to do. I yeah. wanted to to do that. I want to work yeah. at seven we'll, to five, whatever it is. Yeah, and soon we'll see the uh, what four or five years we'll see the Russell Henshaw Constructions. Yeah, <laughs> with your phone number and Jindabyne, New South Wales on it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's cool. All right, cool. Thanks, Russ. Thank you. And, Thanks, um, Chan. Yeah, we'll go for a few laps up at Threadbow this year when you don't have your GoPro. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it snows a bunch. It'll snow east, mate, trust me. Cool. Uh, thanks, mate. Well, that's it for our first Chill Factor podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and share it with friends. We'll drop the next episode in about two weeks. Until then, I hope you get out and live and love Australian skiing. Find us at chillfactor.com and socials.